Welcome to episode 6 of the Search with Canada podcast, recorded on Thursday the 18th of April 2019. My name is Mark Williams-Cook and I'm going to take 15 minutes as usual to take you through the latest search news that will hopefully make your lives a little bit easier. In this episode, we're only going to cover two things. Normally I, I try and cover sort of three or four, but we're going to go into a little bit more detail than usual. The first thing is quite a big announcement by the team at Yoast. They're claiming their new version of their WordPress SEO plugin solves schema. So we'll delve a little bit more into that. And I also want to talk to you about accelerated mobile pages AMP a little bit. Google has released search results support for signed exchanges. What does that mean and why are they important? I will try and explain. Okay, so firstly, we're going to talk about the Yoast SEO plugin, which hopefully most of you will be aware of. So Yoast is originally at least an SEO plugin for the WordPress content management system. And I know WordPress, having spoken to a lot of developers over the years, does split the ranks in terms of some developers absolutely hate it and some think it's the way forward. Whichever side of the fence you fall onto, the fact is WordPress does power around one third of the web. So it is kind of a big deal. Yoast is, and uh, that's about Y-O-A-S-T for those that haven't encountered it before. It's probably the most popular, or I think definitely the most popular WordPress SEO plugin. And uh, there are quite a few to choose from. And it helps WordPress basically uh, on the most basic level sort itself out because out of the box WordPress is quite good for SEO but there's a lot that Yoast does add to to make it good. I've spoken about different platforms publicly before for SEO and to be honest I'm, I'm quite okay with WordPress. Uh, I think it's a big step forward for companies certainly that you know build web presences on the kind of click and go platforms like Squarespace, Wix, or even even services that do work quite well, like Shopify, all of them have limitations on what you can actually do and what you have under your control. So if you do move into competitive areas of SEO, these these technical restraints can stop you being competitive. So Yoast has released a new version and they have introduced a big change for how they handle schema. So <laughs> schema is something I can't seem to get away from with this podcast at the moment. We've spoken about it like the last three episodes and well, four episodes and this is only number six. So hopefully this will put it to bed for a while at least. Yoast uh, released this new version of their plugin and as I say, there's some big updates involving schema. So I'll read out a little bit of their their post that summarizes this and I'll try and give you the, the spark notes on the other parts. Yoast says, getting a schema.org implementation right on a website was until today enormously painful. There was not enough documentation and no good tools to help you to make it truly simple. The best implementations so far really are sadly still just a fragmented mess. Today, 
we fix that. So they go on and give an example of a site that's been analyzed using Google's structured data testing tool. So that's actually a free tool that you can use to analyze if the schema you've implemented on your site is working, if it has warnings or errors and how it's connected together. So you can just Google for that tool. I'll include a, a link to it in the show notes um, and it'll show you what schema you've got present. The point they're making is that the schema people are using currently on sites is done in little bits and blobs that are unconnected. So you may have one plugin that's giving organization schema. You may have another plugin that's powering your article schema. You may have another one that's doing the products on your site. And this isn't ideal because if we refresh what we're really trying to achieve with schema, it's basically, you know, this is labeling just for search engines to help them build up this understanding of entities and the relationships between them. That's the, the foundation really to graph databases. It's why it's called the Google Knowledge Graph. It's a, it's, a, it's a type of way to store data organized by nodes, edges, properties, and looking at kind of how your brain works you know, when we're talking about associative memories that we think of one kind of thing or entity and we know it's related or a subset of another and they all have have properties and that's a really challenging thing historically for search engines to understand because they just have to trawl through the unstructured mess that is the web and try and use their own algorithms to work out what on earth it is you're talking about and what a thing is and what a brand is and how it's all connected together so you know other platforms to, to use say facebook as an example have it easy in this in this regard because people that go onto Facebook are structuring most of their data for them. So they're saying, this is my name, this is my date of birth, this is what my face looks like, this is who came to my wedding, uh, this is where I work, this is when I was born. So we're structuring all of that data for Facebook. Whereas historically, Google and other search engines have tried to piece that information together. So now with Schema, we can help them understand what things are and how they're related. The big point that Yoast are making in this release is that we're not really doing that most of the time. We're just putting these disparate and fragmented bits of Schema on our web page, but we're not tying them together. So they go on to say, in our implementation, which we're releasing today, all of the pieces stitch together. We form them into a nested structure. Without this nesting, a search engine doesn't know how all of these pieces relate to each other and what the most important piece on a page is. Our implementation also clearly and explicitly defines the main thing on that page. This removes all of the guesswork and adds a lot more context for search engines. And they give an example, so they say, let's look at an example of a post on Yoast.com. This post is an article, which is a, a type. The article is the main thing of a web page, a web page being another uh, thing here. And a web page is part of a website. This article is published by an organization and is written by an author. Both the author and the organization have social profiles attached to them. These separate blocks are now all woven together it's simply a nested structure. So they give an example there of how 
different things that might have their individual schema, such as article, web page, website, organization, and author can all be woven together. And you're, you're telling the search engine what the relationship between these things is and actually which one is the main thing on that page that you're looking at. Helpfully, they summarize what these what these changes actually mean for you. They've, they've said correct information in the Google knowledge panels and full support for rich article pins on Pinterest due to better schema output from Yoast SEO. Showing up in a news listing or carousel if you use our news SEO plugin due to the new news article support. Higher chance of product snippets in Google search results if you use our WooCommerce SEO plugin and full support for rich product pins on Pinterest due to better product support in it. And a higher chance of good local listing snippets due to better local business schema in our local SEO plugins. They've highlighted there that there are a set of additional plugins they have which specialize depending on the type of site or business that you have. So their post, um, I'll link to it within the within the show notes as usual, does go on to explain how to set up and use schema within those different plugins. The nice thing about doing it through this plugin is you don't really have to worry about what's happening in the background. A lot of this schema is generated for you by the information you provide the plugin during the configuration. For instance, one of the first things, one of the first questions when you set up the Yoast plugin referring to schema is it asks you whether you represent an organization or an individual person. Now, based on that answer, it pushes you down like a tree for different types of schema the plugin might generate for you without you as the user ever having to specify that. What I particularly like about this is that Yoast has been very... Uh, detailed in terms of the documentation they've provided. They've got their schema specification and I think it's worth recognizing the amount of work and time that went into this. So this is a document that Jono Alderson from Yoast opened up for other people in the industry to uh, to contribute to and it did end up being what looks like quite a nice community effort including some Google engineers that stopped by to give their thoughts as well on the spec. A specification is a really good place to get a good ground level understanding for developers. And Yoast has provided documentation as well for an integration guide and their schema API, so the application programming interface. In short, if, if you're not a developer or not technically orientated and you're listening to this being like, ah, oh, well, this sounds important, but I feel kind of lost at the moment. This is where you need to begin. So I'll include the show notes for developer documents, and it would be a good starting point to give these documents to your developer or dev team, and it will bring them up to speed with what's going on. And obviously, if you upgrade to the latest version of Yoast, you'll get these uh, these updates to do with schema, which is part of their version 11. Um, <clears throat> I'm quite impressed to be honest. I mean, I, I don't particularly like being impressed, <laughs> but um, it does signify, uh, I think, a decent step forward in the functionality of their plugin. One thing I would say is, and this is more of a personal note, if it's not a critical security update, 
I personally normally recommend waiting at least a week or two before updating major plugins like this to see if there are any possible issues. So Yoast itself has got millions of installations. Um, they, there has been bugs before in previous Yoast versions that have caused people issues. And I saw some comments coming back and this, you know, this release has only been out a few few days about people having issues with page titles disappearing um, and a few other issues, teething problems, which which in fairness you, you would expect because when you have uh, a plugin running across millions of sites and there's no particular parity in how they're set up, it's it's there's only so much testing you can do. I did actually contact um, some people at Yoast before recording this and one of the issues they've identified is if you have a a plugin or an effort that's removing some of the Yoast HTML comments, this seems to be causing a conflict that's causing a problem with the the new update. So I've seen some people that have disabled that and they've they've got around their issues. Either way, it might still be worth waiting a few days or if you've got a test environment to to get it installed on a test environment and just make sure everything's working as you expect and hope. Um, either way, it's definitely an upgrade uh, you'll want, but do run it in a test environment. We're going to talk about AMP a little bit and we're gonna seamlessly segue into that actually because Talking about Jono Alderson again, uh, just before I recorded this podcast, I saw a tweet from him that said, I said this a bunch, AMP is where all of Google's bleeding edge innovation on the web will now happen. AMP is where tomorrow's challenges are discovered, explored, solved and open sourced. Even if you don't like slash approve of AMP, you can't afford to ignore it. I think that's a in good introduction to us talking about AMP. If you're if you're not aware of AMP or you haven't dealt with it before or it's the first time you've heard it, AMP stands for Accelerated Mobile Pages. And in a nutshell, it's a Google-backed framework that allows uh, or encourages you, allows you to build very lightweight experiences for mobile by simplifying HTML and giving quite a strict, streamlined set of CSS rules. It's generally accepted and observed i think it's fair to say that especially news and media sites have done very well with amp we've seen a lot of cases where they've significantly increased the volume of organic search and engagement they're getting by implementing amp and certainly uh, google has pushed very hard in their own promotion of amp there's been, uh, as as with any project, I think it's fair to say, there's been drawbacks. There there are drawbacks, and there's been criticism that have come from different areas. Depending on your your setup, it can be a fair amount of work to amplify your assets and actually then manage them ongoing if you're creating different versions of pages. And there's certainly been uh, criticism about the amount of control that it's giving Google. And, and by this, I mean, uh, people have specifically talked about disappearing links and ad revenue. So one of the problems with AMP as a concept is essentially everything's going to be cached and served from Google rather than linking to the original page on the publisher's site. 
So in turn, this means that potential readers are going to be spending more time on Google's site and will be seeing Google's advertising as opposed to any paid advertising on the content provider's site. The short version of this is more money for Google, less money for the actual content creators. And that's kind of a, a theme we've seen throughout Google results over the last few years as rich snippets have become a thing where searchers can get the answers they want directly from Google's search results, which are, which are scraping websites and depriving those websites of the visitors the visitors that they need to drive their business models, which they use to earn money to go on to pay the people that are creating the content. So I think that as an industry, as an issue, isn't resolved and there's still things that are going to come from that. But this is where we're landing for this bit of news, which is on the Google Webmaster blog this week. They posted an article entitled Instant Loading AMP Pages from Your Own Domain. And they said, today we are rolling out support in Google searches AMP web results, also known as Blue Links, to link to signed exchanges, an emerging new feature of the web enabled by the IETF web packaging specification. Bear with me, we'll get through this. Signed exchanges enable displaying the publisher's domain when content is instantly loaded via Google search. This is available in browsers that support the necessary web platform feature. As of the time of writing, Google Chrome and availability will expand to include other browsers as they gain support, e.g. the upcoming version of Microsoft Edge. Let's take a minute and step back and decode that. Ignoring just for the moment the detail on signed exchanges, the, the headline of what Google's saying here is that if you're publishing AMP content, soon Google or now Google have rolled out support to show your domain in the search results, even though your AMP content is being searched, uh, served from Google's cache. So rather than the Google URL being shown, it's, it's shown as who it comes from. They go on to say one of AMP's Biggest user benefits has been the unique ability to instantly load AMP web pages that users click on in Google search. Near instant loading works by requesting the content ahead of time, balancing the likelihood of a user clicking on a result with device and network constraints and doing so in a privacy sensitive way. We believe that privacy preserving instant loading web content is a transformative user experience, but in order to accomplish this, we had to make trade-offs. Namely, the URLs displayed in browser address bars began with google.com forward slash AMP as a consequence of being shown in the Google AMP viewer rather than displaying the domain of the publisher. And then they go on to talk about what we what I mentioned earlier about the criticism. So we heard both user and publisher feedback on this. And last year, we identified a web platform innovation that provides a solution that shows the content's original URL while still re retaining AMP's instant loading. Again, to summarize, it means that you can have your content on AMP, but you can show, show it through your own domain. You don't have to show it through the google.com forward slash AMP. 
that's great and it tackles one of the the main gripes users have been facing so how does this work it works through these things called signed exchanges so signed exchanges uh, which are abbreviated sxg is a way to make your content portable and what i mean by portable it means that your content can be redistributed while keeping the content's integrity and attribution so the the explanation that google gives on this in a separate on a separate document is so the signed exchanges technology allows a publisher to sign a single http exchange i.e a request response pair in a way that the signed exchange can be served from any caching server when the browser loads this signed exchange it can safely show the publisher's url so that's your URL in the address bar because the signature in the exchange is sufficient proof that the content originally came from the publisher's origin. The publisher's origin means your, your server. So there's a, there's a couple of cool things that can be achieved with this technology. So privacy preserving prefetching is, is one that we just spoke about in more detail. While prefetching resources, e.g. by link rel equals prefetch for a subsequent navigation can make the navigation feel a lot faster it also has privacy downsides for instance prefetching resources for cross-origin navigations will disclose to the destination site that the user is potentially interested in a piece of information even if the user ultimately didn't visit the site so to decode that again it's saying if we are trying to load resources across different web different domains because we're prefetching those assets there's a potential privacy issue that you're looking at one web page and then we've got the information that you may have been interested on something from a different domain even though you never visited it because we've requested it to be to be preloaded ahead of time which is what makes uh, makes everything super speedy uh, it goes on, on the other hand, SXG allows for prefetching cross-origin resources from a fast cache without ever reaching out to the destination site, thereby only communicating user interest if and when the navigation occurs. We believe that this can be, this can be useful for sites whose goal is to send their users to other websites. In particular, Google plans to use this on Google search result pages, which is where we are now, to improve AMP URLs and speed up clicks on search results. So one of the things they've achieved with signed exchanges is this example that we're speaking about with AMP in that because there's been this signed exchange, Google has enough proof to show your domain in the search results because they know that's where the content came from. I think all of this is fascinating because it's taken a huge step for one of the biggest gripes users have had with accelerated mobile pages. Interestingly, I saw Cloudflare recently announced that it is offering signed exchanges to all of its customers for, uh, for free. So this is probably a really good time to have your development team review the documentation for signed exchanges for AMP and then have that discussion about what are your options uh, and how can you possibly improve your site going forward.
Okay, that's everything I've got time for. I hope you enjoyed this slightly deeper dive episode. As usual, all the show links and transcription are at search.withcanada.co.uk. And please do subscribe if you're enjoying the show. I'm Mark Williams-Cook, and I'll be back with a Behind the Black Hat special next Monday. And for when this goes out, I hope you've all enjoyed the Easter weekend. Bye-bye.